Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back. It's good to have you guys here. It's exciting. Uh, we have a brand new year. We have roughly 360 plus days to do some incredible stuff in 2024. So I'm excited that you've stopped by. Thank you so much. On the show, Mr. Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is a best-selling author as well as an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans disability benefits and social security disability benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, Francis has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information, please visit VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks, Bert. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, I, I, I've been hearing some stuff and uh, wanted to run, run it past you. There are there some uh, conspiracy theories, if you will, some rumors that, that money that's supposed to go to our veterans is somehow being used for illegal immigrants. Have you heard about this? I've, I've heard, yep, and that's, that's flat-out false, Bert, but it, it's, it's being spread. Um, let, me, let me explain what's going on here. Um, as you know, what, uh, what tends to make sense, whether you're in government or private business, is for teams of people to specialize in a particular area. Um, and so what's, what's actually going on here, the Department of Veterans Affairs has a team that specializes in processing payments for health care costs. They, they do it for the VA. Okay. But because of that specialization, the department also um, rents them out, if you will, to other departments, including Department of Defense, Surface Transportation Board, Indian Health Service, Office of Refugee Settlement, and to the immigration folks at ICE. And so now um, Senator Daines from Montana has seized on this and claims that this arrangement forces veterans, quote, to compete with illegal immigrants for care, which is just nonsense. It is absolute, utter nonsense. Not a dime of VA money goes into this. the department simply rents these employees to uh, other departments, in, including defense and Indian affairs, and gets paid back for their salary. But it lets these other departments use their expertise to handle this processing stuff. And that's what they do for immigration through, uh, through the, the folks at ICE. And to say that that, that forces veterans to compete with illegal immigrants for care is just false. I mean, it's just flat out not true, no matter how you slice it and dice it. But I think it's a, just one more indication of how much our political discourse has deteriorated that people in the House and Senate are purveying these lies. Uh, it's, it's just, it's depressing. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I think that um, two things when I hear these kind of things is, is that, A, did this individual make an honest mistake? Just, you know, didn't do his research, didn't do his due diligence, whatever, jump the gun. Or is he using it for the purpose of solely getting attention? Because something like this is an attention-grabbing headline, whether it's, you know, false or not. And then, unfortunately, because people are distracted and they're busy and stuff like that, they, they, they seize on these type of headlines and automatically think it's true. Yep, that's the sad part. And, and this is how these conspiracies get started, and, 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 and it just adds to the contention that we already have. And, and um, it makes, like I said, it makes for great media, great headlines, but I'm glad to hear that it's not true. And also, honestly, I'm glad to see that our government is being smart with their resources. You want to be able to use what do you call it, uh, experienced teams to, to help process things. That, that, to me, makes sense. I think it makes sense. And, and the thing is, Bert, you know, uh, this isn't something new. This, this has been going on. Um, the, the VA has been doing this since 2002 through both Republican and Democratic administrations since that time, because it does make sense. It, it's, sure. a, it's a good use of resources. Right. If if you were the CEO of a corporation, you would do the same thing. You would say, hey, these guys are good at this. Can, can they help over here at this team? Can they help over here? It just makes sense. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, as far as the VA goes, my understanding now is that they are handling more claims for VA disability benefits than ever before. That Talk is about true, this. Bert. Sure. In the, in the last fiscal year, fiscal 23, um, the Department of Veterans Affairs benefits folks did um, almost 2 million veteran and survivor claims. Uh, that's uh, the most they've ever done. And it uh, was an increase of um, over 15% from the previous year, which is really pretty amazing when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and then this year, the, the first three months of fiscal 2024, they're 34% ahead of last year, which is just, you know, they're, they're practically on fire over there. But the, the, uh, the sad part for veterans is that's not enough. With the, the PACT Act that we've talked about and the expansion of veterans' benefits to a lot of different kinds of exposures, the volume of claims has risen so fast that uh, they're actually – falling back rather than going forward, despite this enormous increase in their uh, processing. So to, to, uh, to try to get ahead of this, they have uh, uh, been expanding their workforce. They've added uh, uh, almost 20% to the claims workforce, and they've set a goal of uh, hiring another 4,000 folks in the claims processing area for the current fiscal year. So they're, they're really pushing hard, but um, the, uh, 
because of the the sheer increase in the volume, despite all that they're doing, um, they've they've gone backwards. The uh, the number of claims that are beyond the four month level at the at the initial stage is now up to 400,000 claims, which is the highest it's been since June of 2014. Uh, up until COVID came along, they were holding pretty steady at about a backlog of 70 to 75,000. But uh, you know, first first it was COVID, and now this uh, increase in the uh, in the potential claims and the resulting increase in actual claims submitted. So they're really um, uh, they're really uh, getting a, uh, an awful lot of uh, claims that they can't handle, despite the fact that they've ramped up their uh, efforts so much. So um, the total caseload in fiscal 2023 was up 40% in that one year, mostly mostly as a result of the PACT Act. But uh, you know, with with the uh, with their increased efforts in processing claims together with their increased hiring to be able to further expand their claims processing capability, um, they, they should ultimately get ahead of it because what's going on with the PACT Act, you've got all these folks who suddenly became eligible to file claims, and that is not a situation that's going to continue. Those, there's a finite volume of those claims. so. Um, each year there will be a, a smaller number of them as we go forward. So this uh, press by the department to get more folks into the claim processing and increase their capacity will eventually catch up. The, the trick is that it takes a while, but um, they will catch up. And the other thing uh, that we, we talked about a few months ago, um, the department is experimenting with some electronic uh, claims processing driven by artificial intelligence, that um, they're, they're really just on the, the beginning stages of, but they, they've already um, found ways to implement it in a couple of kinds of claims, and obviously it's in their interest to continue to do that, and I'm sure they're going to expand those efforts over time. So eventually they're going to catch up with themselves. It's just that um, for a lot of veterans in the next year or two, things are going to move pretty slowly. Interesting. You know, it, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm actually a little uh, impressed that they are, they meaning the government or the VA is, is looking into artificial intelligence to help them process claims because that's so cutting edge and they're usually so, they're so uh, usually behind the times. I'm impressed. Well, you know, the department, uh, you have to give them credit. They have really, they have really pressed Congress the last few years to uh, enhance their computer capabilities. You know, um, it was less than a decade ago they were doing all this on paper by hand. Um, right. And and they have they have really made considerable strides in the in the intervening decade. But um, they still have a long way to go. But still, it's it's been impressive that, that they've made the progress that they have. You know, for years. Uh, Congress just starved their budget in terms of funding for uh, computerization and uh, software. But, um, you know, even, even, the, even the Senate, which tends to be 
a, a much older group than America in general, um, has recognized that computers are, are necessary and has finally started coughing up the money to allow the VA to, uh, to move forward. So um, I, I do think that you're going to see some more experimentation there. The, uh, the folks in the, in the uh, veterans benefits section really are, are committed to, uh, to trying to improve that process as much as they can. Um, you know, they've, they've sort of had their hands tied behind their back for several years, as we just mentioned with the computer issues. But, but that, it's kind of, they've finally broken that logjam, I think. And, and now they're, they're making some headway. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful it'll continue, but as you know, with anything that's ultimately subject to the political process, you, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, not only do you not know what's going to happen, and it usually takes longer than than it should, right? It, so it's uh, kind of a double whammy there. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this: uh, I, I read someplace uh, that the VA had lost a number of claims submitted in its electronic system. Uh, do you know anything about this? Yeah, you, you may remember, Bert, that uh, a few months ago the, the VA uh, shamefacedly fessed up and admitted that um, all this computerization has not been perfect, um, that they, uh, they, they actually had lost uh, a bunch of claims. They were, um, they were suggesting it was a fairly small number at that time, but they have now acknowledged that um, uh, it's actually more than 120,000 claims that uh, have run into these technical problems. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Panel on Technology, uh, Representative Rosendale from Montana, said, you know, we, we understand that everybody makes mistakes occasionally, but um, it's not good that these have lasted so long. In fact, he called it unacceptable because what they found is that um, some of these uh, uh, claims have, have just languished for literally for years um, in, the, in their electronic system, just hit this dead end and went nowhere. But they, they are cleaning that up, and I think as, uh, as the department gets more sophisticated with uh, all this electronic processing um, those things will improve but you know it's uh, it's it's not uh, not a pleasant thing for the for the veterans who uh, have gotten stuck in there um, you know 120,000 claims is, is quite a few that's huge I, I I'm I'm amazed again I'm shocked because how do you lose electronic electronic record I guess they're they're inputting the information some kind of glitch happens and the data is not received and they can't find it and and of course nowadays anytime you fill out a form online usually you get some kind of email confirmation and i'm thinking if the system's not working correctly you may not get that email confirmation and depending on your 
what do you call it, your skill set with uh, computers and, and, and these uh, online services, you may not even know to look for a confirmation email. So you're thinking things are fine, only to come back a month or three later to realize nobody's got your information. Well, I, I don't, I, I don't pretend to know all the technical ins and outs of what happened here. But as I understand it, um, what's going on here is that folks submitted claims, and and it was the the information was accepted. And as you point out, there was probably a, a confirmation, but that. Um, because of a, an internal problem in the system, the the information never got moved on to the step where it would get processed. So it just just sat there. Um, and the, the VA has been a little embarrassed about having to admit this is going on. And particularly, uh, uh, you know, they they finally fessed up in uh, in back in August that uh, they found another thirty thousand claims that some of which have been sitting there for multiple years. And then later on, they found another 57,000. So, you know, it's, uh, it hasn't, hasn't been a good look for them, but, but at least they've, they've found the problem now and presumably will be processing those claims. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, and <laughs> I'm grateful that even though they were embarrassed, they, they finally came forth with that information as opposed to, hiding it from the public, because sooner or later we're going to find out, number one. Number two, uh, it, it's uh, it's just part of the process. That's just, you know, it's embarrassing, but it's part of the process. Yep, it's true. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, there's a lot of information lately regarding the uh, so-called forever chemicals, the PFAS, uh, used in the firefighting foam. What's going on with that? Well, there are actually a couple of things going on there, Bert. Um, the most interesting one from, from my perspective as a veterans benefits lawyer is um, a couple of representatives, a, a Democrat, uh, Strickland from Washington and a Republican, Posey from Florida, have introduced a bill that would create a fund um, to help firefighting crew members who were exposed in the military to these toxic PFAS chemicals in, the, in what, used to, what that they used to use in the firefighting foam. And what the bill would do, it would authorize creation of a military firefighters compensation fund. It, it seems to suggest it would be similar to the, uh, the fund that was set up for the 9-11 victims in New York. But um, the, the bill is fairly generic. It, it uh, does not specify the amounts that would be uh, included in the fund or how the funds would be allocated. It calls for essentially the, the VA to, to create a fund and then propose a specific uh, a, 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 you know, a specific method um, for allocation and funding. But um, it's, it's, not, um, it's not particularly definitive as, it, as, as the bill stands now. So 
it's uh, it's more in the nature of uh, of an outline. Um, but if um, if it goes forward, obviously, then um, the uh, the VA would have to develop a uh, a budget and uh, a, a, you know a proposed budget and, and a method of allocating it among folks. But um, what's been going on is that a lot of folks in the Senate, uh, uh, more than 40 senators specifically, have been pressing Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to to look harder at this whole issue of PFAS chemicals on military installations. Um, They they want him to focus more on testing and remediation and uh, improve the planning for how they're going to deal with these, these chemicals. Um, there are several air bases in particular around the country that have um, tested with uh, large amounts of these PFAS chemicals um, in the in the water supply around the base. Um, Portsmouth, New Hampshire is one, um, and the Dayton-Fairborn area in Ohio is another, where um, you had big Air Force bases. Um, with folks uh, either using or training with this firefighting foam that had these chemicals, and the chemicals have leached into the water supply uh, in the areas outside and around the base, so that it's a it's a significant concern. Um, you know, the uh, the Air Force has stepped up and, and replaced the firefighting foam now with uh, a a new formula that meets the EPA standards and all that. But the issue is that you've got all this contamination in the in the groundwater, in the drinking water uh, around these bases and, and on, uh, on bases. And one of the things that uh, has been particularly concerning, the, the senators who wrote to uh, Secretary Austin uh, pointed to recent findings in a National Academies of Science uh, Engineering and Medicine report that called for expanded testing for people with a history of exposure to these chemicals. And that's because there are now multiple show, multiple studies that show that firefighters, whether you're talking military or civilian, um, have been diagnosed with testicular cancer at much higher rates than people in most other occupations, suggesting that uh, this is about the PFAS, but it's uh, it's only just recently that uh, people have uh, come up with a study that really ties this down. Uh, what's what they just did? The uh, National Cancer Institute and the Uniform Services Uniform Services University of Health Services, the, the Armed Forces uh, Health Service University, uh, took a, a, a bunch of uh, uh, blood that had been uh, banked by uh, thousands of military personnel and found that there was evidence that airmen who were firefighters had elevated levels of PFAS in their bloodstream and that um, the airmen with testicular cancer had higher serum levels of these PFOS chemicals and those who hadn't been uh, diagnosed with uh, cancer. And so this is the first study I'm aware of that, that found a direct link between exposure to the PFAS chemicals and 
this particular cancer, the testicular cancer. So um, as you can appreciate, with a largely male uh, population of both service members and veterans, testicular cancer is a particularly scary thing for folks. So uh, it's a it's a big issue, and uh, uh, where where that's all going, nobody knows. But this uh, proposed compensation fund is kind of the, the congressional um, uh, first swing at the issue. So we'll we'll see where that goes and whether it uh, actually passes in the House or and moves on to the Senate. But given that it's it's introduced by um, both Republican and Democratic sponsors. I'm hopeful that it has a reasonable chance of passage. I agree. I, I certainly hope that it doesn't get bogged down. And, and uh, again, this is just another example of uh, the stuff that our military have to go through. It, it, sometimes they're the guinea pig. And as you pointed out, it's not in this case, it's not just our military, but it's just uh, everyday firefighters who are exposed to these uh, chemicals are having these issues so uh, yeah I'm hoping that uh, they they act on it and I'm also hoping for some of these other areas that don't need congressional oversight that they'll move on it as well that that would be great for everybody it would and we can we can hope that it will right right and, and, and this is a scenario it happens all the time where we create a solution, and it takes a while to realize, oh, this solution created this problem. We see this with medicine. We see this with technology. We, we're seeing it here uh, with these chemicals. So anyway, hopefully they'll act on it fast. I, I want to ask you this, and, and I hate bringing this up, uh, but uh, it is something that is constantly uh, uh, in the news and and, and uh, I guess the online communities and, and that, and that again, there's been just a lot of concern. There's been a lot of concern over the suicides in the veteran community and just wanted to check with you, see if there's any progress on that uh, issue. Well, I think there is Bert. Um, you know, as, as you were saying, it's a, it's a problem. Um, there's a, a 2021 study from Brown university that estimated that um more than uh, 30,000 veterans of the post 9-11 conflicts have died from suicide, which is more than four times uh, the number killed in those conflicts, which is just sad. Um, and the, the veteran suicide rate has, has outpaced the, the rate for the general public. Um, a 2023 report from the VA found that using numbers from 2021, the suicide rate for veterans was uh, uh, almost uh, 72% higher than for non-veterans. But um, the uh, the good news is that in 2023, the uh, the, the department set up a uh, a free emergency suicide prevention care program, and what they did was they instituted a policy of allowing eligible veterans and um, some former service members in acute suicidal crisis to go to any VA or non-VA healthcare facility to receive emergency care at no cost at all. Policy covers emergency room care, inpatient or crisis residential care for up to 30 days, 
and outpatient care for up to 90 days. And so far in, in this first year, almost 50,000 veterans have taken advantage of that program. So um, it's, it's, I think, a, a real step forward um, in the whole area of attempting to uh, minimize suicide among veterans. And the, the fact that they've made it free, I think, removes a lot of barriers for a lot of folks. There's still, as, as you are aware, um, the whole of treatment stigma issue, but, but taking away the financial barrier is really a big deal. And I, I am very hopeful that uh, it, it will help us out because uh, that 21, uh, 2021 uh, statistics that we were talking about a minute ago, um, that showed that uh, over 6,000 veterans died by suicide in 2021, um, which is a big number. Um, so I'm very hopeful that this uh, that this new program is uh, is going to really uh, uh, make a dent in in those numbers. Yes, I, I think that uh, man, that it's astonishing, and and I I want everybody who is listening to to share this information really because. You mentioned the thing that that I think holds up a lot of individuals, and it, there's a stigma to it. Also, if you're in the military, there's this this tough it out attitude, and it prevents a lot of our veterans from getting the help they need, and so they're suffering in silence, and and then unfortunately they they're taking their lives. And I believe that many of these, if not all of these, service these veterans can be helped and and they deserve it and um, anyway so thank you for updating us on that and and ladies and gentlemen let's definitely help out our our veterans with sharing the fact that uh, these benefits are available at at no cost so that's and Bert, let me uh, let me pass on if I may to your listeners um, the way you reach those uh, emergency services is just to dial 988 and then press 1. That will that will get you right to the uh, the suicide helpline. Wow, they that's great. Um that they've made it that easy. So 988 then press 1. Yep, that's it. That'll that's do it. Great. That'll put that's great. That's awesome. Um All right, let me ask you this. Um what what is going on with uh, TBI or traumatic brain injuries? Um, I'm hearing that there's uh, possibly a new treatment for this. Talk about this. Yeah, Bert. Uh, this this is actually pretty exciting stuff. Um, there's a drug called ibocaine, which is a is a psych- one of the psychedelic drugs, uh, not. Uh, Leary's mushrooms, but a but a psychedelic nonetheless. It, it's found in the root bark of uh, some African uh, uh, plants, um, and it it became of interest to the scientific community because it shows some promise in uh, treating addiction. It, it uh, helps people to um, uh, reduce uh, any any kind of uh, addictive cravings, if you will, 
um, and used for alcohol treatment, cocaine, and so on. But um, the the um, the interesting part is it, it, uh, a new study has shown that it had a fairly dramatic effect um, on folks with uh, TBI. Um, it it seems to um, I don't know how best to, to describe this because I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not sure I understand all of it, but it alters the brain chemistry in a way that helps it to compensate for the damage done by traumatic brain injury and, and apparently uh, quite strikingly. So um, it's, uh, it's part of the, the new experimentation that came from the, uh, the fiscal 2024 defense policy bill uh, which allowed the um, Department of, uh, uh, of uh, Defense to put money into exploring the medicinal properties of uh, various uh, psychedelic um, medications, including ibuprofen. Um, there are some others that have uh, have shown some real possibilities with uh, with PTSD, um, and ibuprofen may also have some impact there that that hasn't been studied as much but the initial study with ibocaine for uh, these traumatic brain injuries uh, showed very very significant improvement and uh, the researchers were wildly excited about it so it'll it'll be um, it'll be interesting you know it's, it's you never you never know where where these things are going but given the the sheer volume of uh, veterans who have experienced traumatic brain injuries. That was really one of the, the signature injuries from uh, conflicts in the Middle East because of the, all the improvised IEDs and opening uh, and other things that, that, that can produce concussions and, and traumatic brain injuries. So the fact that they found something that really seems to have a significant uh, Way of uh, of improving uh, the the folks' ability to function after uh, receiving a traumatic brain injury is is truly exciting stuff um, medically and and for our veterans. Absolutely, uh, it's not just our veterans that uh, have these issues. Obviously, they I think they're probably the group that gets them the most. Professional sports, uh, professional yeah. sports folks may be able to benefit from this too. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Uh, certainly, when I think of of the second group that probably gets a lot of uh, of uh, these TBIs, I would think professional sports, certainly something like uh, the UFC and the NFL and stuff like that, where um, where they're yeah, yeah. Hey, let me ask you this, and we're a little short on time, and 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 I wanted to ask you. If you had any information regarding the Camp Lejeune uh, water thing, I know that this has been a, an ongoing thing. And 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 uh, did they ever resolve this? No, those those cases are, are there are a lot of those cases still pending. But but uh, what has come out lately is that um, as as it seems like with any government um, program that generates potential for a lot of money. Um, there are people out there trying to scam it, and there there are folks who are 
um, trying to find uh, people who were in the military or lived on these bases and then uh, teach them what to say to make a false claim, which is very mm-hmm. sad. And what it, it, it is so widespread at this point that the um, uh, the attorney general's office and the uh, uh, the Navy folks who are processing the claims um, are uh, being forced to to take a hard look at all of these claims and try to sort out which ones are legitimate and, and which ones involve fraud because it's gotten so bad. It's it's really a very sad situation and it it puts a it puts a uh, a terrible uh, pressure, I think, on the attorneys who are trying to do a lot of these claims. There are a lot of personal injury firms that, that got into this in a big way and really puts them in an awkward position because you you want to uh, assume that your client is telling you the truth and taking at face value, but at the same time, uh, recognizing that, that this is going on you have to go back and take a hard look at those cases. You you can't be in a position of advocating a fraudulent claim. Uh, so it's a it's a tough tough situation. I mean, it it really I think is going to uh, make it more difficult for people who genuinely have legitimate claims because there's going to be so much suspicion uh, on uh, around all the claims, not you know not any, any one in particular. So that, uh, it's going to make it tough. And as, as you were inquiring about, um, there are a large number of those cases still pending in the uh, district court for the Eastern District of North Carolina. Um, and there hasn't really been any, any real progress in, in moving those forward. Um, I, don't, I don't know uh, how long it's going to take. Obviously, at some point, what they what they traditionally do in situations like this, where there are many many claims pending, is the uh, plaintiffs' attorneys will get together and try to identify uh, some test cases that they want to uh, take to trial, and then uh, what that does is kind of allow both the plaintiff side and the defense side to see where this goes in terms of, of presenting these cases in front of a jury and make some reasonably valid assumptions about how um, the, the larger body of cases should be, uh, should be handled. Um, as we talked about, I think the last time we talked about the uh, Camp Lejeune cases, there are so many of them that it would take years and years to, uh, to put them all to jury trial in, in the, in the one district where trials are allowed, which is the Eastern District of North Carolina. So they're, they're going to have to come up with something, but um, what the mechanics of that will be, nobody really knows yet. The, uh, uh, the judge there has uh, authorized the, the plaintiff's attorneys to, to form a uh, plaintiff's committee, but uh, it hasn't, you know, things haven't moved on to any kind of global approach to uh, resolution of these cases yet. So that's that's going to be a while yet. I I would be surprised if it wasn't another year or two before they get those 
mostly sorted out. And there'll always be some stragglers. Absolutely. And this is a, a good example of how uh, a, uh, what's the old saying, a, a rotten apple spoils the bunch kind of a thing. I mean, all they have to do, all they have to do is find one or, you know, just, just one or two of these false claims, and it will slow the process down incredibly. And it's going to hurt all those legitimate claims. That's absolutely true, Bert. And I, you know, I hate to, uh, um, I hate to think how many of these there may be, but they, they have, they have caught some folks, um, you know, trying to uh, uh, coach uh, folks to uh, to make these false claims. So we know they're out there, um, and the question is just how you how you sort them out, and that's that's going to be a a, a monumental task, I'm afraid. Yeah, because I, I, there's no easy way of, of sorting it out. It, it's not like a, a transaction that you can say, hey, this transaction code or something like that. You've got to go through case per case. And and if somebody gets a whiff of, of uh, insincerity or a whiff of, you know, just any kind of red flag, then obviously they got to dig into it. But it's just too bad that there's people out there who are, who are quick buck artists, as they call them. Yeah, it is. You know, if you if you look back at, uh, at the various COVID financial uh, uh, incentives to try to keep uh, the economy moving, you know, they found all kinds of fraud in, in several of those. It's just... It's it's disappointing to say the least, but as you point out, there there always there's always somebody trying to make a quick buck illegally. Absolutely. All right, Francis Jackson, we're out of time. Thank you so much for taking care of our veterans. Guys, let's share this episode with everyone you know. Let them know about veteransbenefits.com, whether or not they need any help. Just something that they can put in their phone and forget about it until they need it, veteransbenefits.com. Mr. Francis Jackson, thank you so much for stopping by. Bert, I really appreciate it, and I I just want to remind your viewers, uh, suicidal folks, 988 dial one. That's it. It's going to be in the show notes, 988, then press one. Let's help out our veterans. And, uh, again, Francis Jackson, thank you so much for uh, the work you do. My pleasure, Bert. Good stuff there from veterans attorney Francis Jackson, and you can check him out at veteransbenefits.com. It's a real thing. Uh, Our veterans, a lot of them, because they're soldiers. These guys are soldiers, whether they're men or women. They go through this training, and there is this tacit agreement that we're going to be tough. We're going to deal with this stuff. Listen, if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts, if you're dealing with a, a, a traumatic brain injury, if you're dealing with anything, check out veteransbenefits.com. Have your people check out veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson and his team will talk to you for free. They will let you know uh, what, what they can and cannot do for you. Some of these cases are so complex. They take time. Don't wait. You deserve it. You 
and your family deserve the benefits. Do not suffer in silence. Please take action. Please, everybody, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's, let's, let's help out our people. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.